This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 231, recorded Wednesday, October 14th, 2015. And we are here to do our uh, feedback show for the season six premiere. The season six premiere feedback show. I almost, All right. I almost said season five for some reason. I'm, I'm living a whole year behind schedule today. Season 27. <laughs> You're a little bit in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Can you imagine if this show goes 27 years? I don't think it should. No, I don't think so either. Uh, you, you want a show to end, like go out on top. That's right. And I just don't see any way this show would go out on top if it continued for 27 years. I figure another two seasons and then a series of movies would be just fine. Two seasons and movies? Yeah. Okay. I can do, I can, uh, let's write a letter to Philip, Philip, Robert Kirkman. (laughs) (laughs) We'll write a letter to Philip K. Dick, (laughs) because really, why not? (laughs) Because really, why not? You know, I'm sure he (laughs) likes to receive letters. Is he still alive? I don't think so. Okay. Well, he probably doesn't like to receive letters then. Um, so we're going to do our listener feedback for this episode, of course, but first I think we should look at the ratings from the episode. Cool. They were pretty good, um, by, by most TV show standards. 14.6 million people watched the premiere. That's so many people. That's a lot of people. It was the number one show for the night, but to compare, that's actually down a little bit from, uh, what we had for the premiere last season. That's because of baseball though, right? Most people were watching the Blue Jays that night. Well, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, with the Blue Jays, what day is it today? It's, I don't know. I have know. no idea. I don't follow the Blue Jays really. I know that they just won a baseball game, which I'm very happy about, but uh, I have no idea when they were playing over the weekend. So yeah, the Blue Jays did just moments ago actually win the first, beat the Texas Rangers to win the first round of the playoffs after being down two games to nothing, which yeah. apparently is quite a big deal. Yeah, uh, and I don't know much about baseball, but. Uh, it's been very, very exciting around this city for a little while now since the Blue Jays have been so good. That's the professional sport without a goaltender. Is that the one? Baseball? <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the one without the goaltender, no quarterback, and yeah. uh, it's played on a diamond. A diamond. Mm-hmm. A very hard surface. Yes, it's very hard. Yeah. Harder than ice. <laughs> and a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyways, congratulations to the Blue Jays uh, for doing that. We have more baseball to come in Toronto, and I think they're favored to win the World Series, which is exciting. That would be good. Since that would be really good. But that's that's why I figure that the ratings were slightly down, is that uh, people probably were watching baseball, because baseball is still a very popular sport around these parts. Oh, yeah. In Canada and in the States, of course. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they're watching baseball. Sunday is usually a football night in the States. Oh, right. Not baseball, but it is the playoffs. I thought so. it was Monday night football. Oh, hell, I don't know. I don't know. It's There's always Sunday night NFL football, I think. So, All right. Anyways, 14.6 million watched this episode. Season, the season five premiere still holds the record for the biggest episode of The Walking Dead ever, though, at 17.29. Wow. It's a lot. And just for reference, the season five finale, of course, the last episode before this one last year, was 15.78. So... Even up, that one was up a little bit from this premiere. So although it's down, it's still pretty amazing. That does sound like a lot of people. It's a lot of people, man. So we'll see uh, how this season plays out. Maybe we'll set a new record 
come the mid-season finale or the season finale later on uh, next spring. Sure, sure. All right, we've got plenty of listener feedback about this episode, so let's move on right into that. Listener feedback. All righty, our first piece of feedback here is a call from Barbara in California. Hi, guys. This is Barbara from California. I just wanted to chime in on the balloon discussion. And I think the reason for using balloons was so that they can be seen from a distance. You paint something on the ground, you're not going to see it till you're on top of it, if at all. So they needed to be up in the air. They could have used a flag or something, but, you know, for whatever reason, they decided to use balloons. Uh, thanks for everything. We love your show. Bye. Thank you, Barbara. So balloons, so you can see them from yeah. a distance. That makes perfect sense. It really does. Uh, I mean, you could tie a ribbon on a tree, but it's yeah. not it's not as obvious. Yeah, you could pile up a you know a stack of zombies and paint them red <laughs> with blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you get green though? You need green and orange too, right? So right. But yes, you're absolutely right that uh, a balloon can be seen at a farther distance than uh, a squiggle on a road. Just where did they get that helium? I'm telling you, the, there's a party shop in Alexandria, and it's full of stocked uh, helium tanks. Mm-hmm. And so now they have they can have great parties, and they can make balloon markers. Don't the party stores in the states have beer? I know they have in in northern Michigan, where I know, uh, basically the only place I know where there are party stores, and that's in quotes. That uh, you can walk into a party store and buy a forty. Or a pack of smokes, or a bag of chips, or a, uh, a helium tank full of balloons. Okay, or not full of balloons, but full of helium for balloons. Right. I see. I don't know. Maybe party stores in the states are different. When I think of party stores, it's more like kids' birthday parties. So yeah, this is where they have the paper plates and the little hats and the plastic forks and the balloons and some costumes and uh, face paint and stuff like that. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. So we're not talking about uh, you know some place to buy shotgun shells and a forty of vodka. And not a pack in this of cigarettes. Not in this country, no. No, not in this country, that's for sure. You gotta go to like four different stores for those three things. That's right. You gotta drive all over town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh yeah, right. Now so next we have a call from Angie in Birmingham on uh, Rick and Morgan's relationship. I'm sorry, Chris, but I agree with Jason again. <laughs> um, there's definitely still something going on between Rick and Morgan. Uh, you just have to look at the Morgan when Rick puts down Carter. Uh, and the way Rick deals with him, uh, there's a definite bit of uh, disturbance there. I mean, Morgan is not happy with the way Rick dealt with that, that his first reaction to deal with a bitten man was to execute him, basically. Well, it was mercy, I suppose. But he still killed a guy without a second thought, and Morgan wasn't happy about that. Um, and the way Rick silenced him and ordered him to move on, basically... And the look he gave him, you could tell there's a lot there that went on unsaid that they're definitely going to have to talk about later. Anyway, that's my two cents. And I just want to apologise for my pet crow in the background shouting at me. I haven't fed him yet. Um, so I'll go feed them, shut them up, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. All right. Thank you very much, Angie. I cut that down for time a little bit there. But Angie was talking about how there's still some things to talk about for Rick and Morgan. Uh, after last week, I said that it seems like their sort of arc is done or, or their conflict or their reacquaintance is, is finished. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to go. You know, if, 
I feel like this season is going to move at a, a lightning pace. So are we going to have time to kind of slow down and let these two guys work out their differences? Or are we just going to blast ahead with, with you know, new threats and zombies and, and all kinds of stuff like that? There's going to be time. And it's two against one now. It's me and Angie. Uh, we're right. You're obviously wrong. Well, Sorry. I mean, you. I am outvoted, I guess. Or And the crow is on our side, too. The crow, yeah. <laughs> I, Makes me want to get a crow. I like that. Uh, I spend a lot of time on uh, conference calls, and I think they would go a lot quicker if there was a crow making noise in the background. <laughs> because people would be like, we got to get off this call if that guy doesn't <laughs> shut up his bird. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. They might make him nervous or whatever. Maybe. But I like the idea. You're going to be the crow master. Send out your crows to do your bidding. That's right. I have to get like 5,000 of them or something. Yeah, 5,000. Anyways, thanks, Angie, for that. I don't know. I mean, I I would like to see more of this relationship. I'm just not 100% convinced that we are going to. Or maybe they're going to sprinkle it in little bit by bit. There's been talk about um, like a Morgan backstory episode. So maybe, I mean, that's probably not going to uh, involve Rick at all, but... Maybe it will. Maybe it'll be flashbacks to Morgan doing stuff on his way to DC and in the present, him and Rick dealing with their their feelings. <laughs> right. I don't know. Well, that could be. That could be interesting too. It could be. I, I do like seeing what Morgan's been up to. All right. One more call here before we get into the emails. And this is from Bianca in Manila, the Philippines. Hi, this is Bianca from Manila, Philippines. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. I just finished watching season 6, episode 1, and wow, it's so good to be back. Um, Well, my favorite part was when Morgan was asking Michonne if she ate the last protein bar. But other than that, it didn't seem like a season premiere, just like a season ender cliffhanger thing. But just so excited to see what's going to happen next week. That's all for now. Looking forward to the podcast. Bye. Great, thanks, Bianca. So, um, I, I want to talk about that that uh, scene between Michonne and Morgan a little bit more. Okay. Uh, when Morgan says to her, and I realized this after we recorded Monday's episode, um, but when Morgan asks her about taking the protein bar, d- he's talking about Clear, the episode Clear, back then. I didn't realize that. That's not clear to you? No, because I didn't really remember that bit. It's not clear to me. Well, he said when you were in my house or in my place... Yeah, I know, but I'm an idiot, and I was oh. I was thinking, <laughs> big surprise, eh? <laughs> no, I, I I assumed it was he was talking about the clear episode way back when, well, which is why I thought that was a really neat thing to to bring up because it was such a long time ago and such a far away away, and that they did meet each other in that episode, and he just I think he was just making fun and and playing. Yeah, no, I think he was, but for some reason, like. I don't remember that part. I mean, I guess we saw in that episode her take the food. Oh, I don't know if we ever saw that. I think it was just a kind of a an extra thing. I don't think that happened in the actual episode. No, see, I think it did for some reason, and I, I don't know why, but I'm sure someone can clear this up for us. Or All right, I can... pause the episode. Let's go watch the <laughs> dang thing. No, I, we could go back to the tape. I don't know. But um, anyways, I didn't realize that at the time. So the scene felt a little out of place to me. Like it's, they're talking about something we didn't see. Uh, but it kind of makes more sense now. And I don't know why. I was just being being stupid. That's the episode where uh, she got the paper mache cat. Yeah. I remember that. I remember I that. I don't remember a, a protein bar, but it might be worth going back to have a look. 
Well, I have I have a feeling like her and Rick maybe are rooting through, uh, rooting through his room or something before he's there. Oh God, I'm just digging myself a bigger hole because I don't remember it as well as I should. So, All right. uh, I'll stop talking now and we'll move on to the next email. All right, next email is from Kevin in Dublin, Dublin, the Republic of Ireland. Did you notice that clearly the Walking Dead producers are getting us ready, were getting us ready for the black and white scenes with the lead up to the premiere? They released pictures in black and white. Yeah, so they put out a bunch of promo pictures of characters in black and white. And I don't know, this probably isn't the first time they've done something like that. We've had a variety of different pictures released, but they... Uh, Kevin sent in a couple of examples. One of them has Rick standing there in black and white holding a shotgun, and it says tonight on it. Right. So that was put out on Sunday, I guess. And there's one of, of Sasha standing there with her big gun, and it says five days. So <laughs> it was released five days before, I suppose. And uh, they're really awesome-looking shots. I mean, really, really nicely yeah. saturated or desaturated black and white. Uh, heavy contrast in them, I think, and they look really good. So it is a bit of a hint. It's like, hey, everyone, you're going to get black and white in a, in, a, in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I imagine they're, they're when they're sitting around boardrooms thinking up things to do like this, that's how they talk. Yeah, of course they do. That's but, what I talk like whenever I'm in a boardroom of any kind. Let's give everybody some black and white pictures. <laughs> everybody <laughs> likes the blue buttons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... It's cool. They're really good. It's really good artwork. So um, it is. it was a nice hint. All right, moving on. Eric in Denver sent in this email. He said, hey, guys, I just wanted to share a quick thought regarding this week's episode. Overall, I thought it was pretty good. However, I did have a small issue with the flashback sequences. I thought the black and white parts were a cop-out for better editing. Do we really need to be presented with such an obvious device to understand that this episode wasn't in chronological order? Overall, it worked out all right, but I feel like the producers didn't trust us to understand what we were seeing. Am I the only one who felt this way? I don't necessarily think it was just a visual cue for flashback versus present, because I think that, that, you know, editors can do that, and producers and directors. I think that's uh, it's been done uh, very many times, and I think that that kind of point can get across. I think it was more of a stylistic choice rather than a uh, a way to make the episode clear to the audience. But a stylistic choice for what purpose? Like, was the black and white reinforcing a theme of any kind? Was it, you know... No, was but, it, they, you know, they've been talking about releasing episodes in black and white for six years now. Which they've done. They've done the whole first season in black and white. Yeah. At least, so, maybe more. I think black and white is a stylistic choice for The Walking Dead. I mean, the, you, you said this in the last episode, that the comic is in black and white, and... Uh, you know, they've released, uh, re-released, like it, the black and white uh, episodes you're referring to were on the Blu-rays, right? And they actually aired them on TV in reruns too, at right. least the first season, yeah. But this is the first actual, uh, you know, first showing of an episode that contained black and white. So uh, I think I think it was more of a stylistic choice myself rather than a, uh, a the visual cue. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that, but stylistic choice by itself... I mean, the, the choice was was a style, but it was there to differentiate the time periods, really. All right, and 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 if if there was some sort of like, you know, good and evil black and white theme in this episode or something like that, and that it reinforced, I think it might have made it a little bit more, um, more relevant, sort right. of, than just being there to to say now you're in the past and you're not in the present, whatever. 
Um, I mean, I think it looked cool. I think it was, I was generally fine with it, but I can see uh, sort of Eric's point about it being, it, it kind of feeling like it was just there to, to make sure we understand what's going on. Like maybe they watched, maybe the producers or whoever watched this in color and were like, it's hard to follow. How can we fix this so people can follow it better? And and hopefully that's not the case because it seems like that's they took the easy way out, sort of, if that's what they were doing. But Maybe the whole thing wasn't black and white, and they decided to add some color in because, uh, you know, people spend so much money on their uh, color televisions that they don't want to just have black and white <laughs> images on it. Maybe. Greg Nicotero, who directed this, also said, though, that black and white, he claims anyways, wasn't the first choice. What they were going to do is desaturate the flashbacks a little bit and maybe oversaturate the present a bit. But he said that when we made the present colorful and vibrant, the world just looked too alive. Right. It like, like uh, uh, what do you call that movie with the where that lady crushes a lady and then goes on to kill some another lady with three of her friends? Wizard uh, of Oz. Oh, like, yes. With, with, there's lots of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, lots of color, like it was oversaturated and looked very bright and vibrant. Yeah, and happy place. I, th- I think he even referenced that. He said it, when we oversaturated it, it looked too Wizard of Ozzy. Oh, okay. we agree then. <laughs> yeah, as, uh, right. And so instead of going that way and like making the the color, you know, brighter or whatever, they decided to just go full black and white with the uh, with the flashbacks because this show has always, for a long time, has been shot in a sort of dull little bit muted palette I would say there's not a lot of like bright standout colors and stuff and that's just sort of to portray the the overall deadness of the world and that's what I mean about sort of promoting a theme right they shoot the show in kind of dull colors because it's a dead world or a world sort of filled with the dead and in this case they decided to go full black and white but was it for any reason other than just to differentiate the time frames. And I'm not so sure it was, but having said that, it didn't bother me that much because yeah. I do think it was pretty effective. Right. Okay. So next we have an email from Asia on the internet. I just finished watching the season premiere of The Walking Dead and loved it. I love how we start out with a huge crisis, and I like the use of flashbacks showing everything leading up to where we are now. The only real complaint I have about this episode is jumping back and forth between color scenes and black and white. They were clearly doing this so the audience would know flashback from present day scene, but I thought it was unnecessary. Uh, She agrees with you. I know there are plenty of people out there who enjoy black and white, like me, but I have a hard time watching them. It's hard to see. Uh, it's hard to see, and I can't make out details. And the constant jumping back and forth just kept taking me out of the show. Right. So that's the risk, I guess, that that you take. That uh, it's going to be distracting for people. They're not going to understand why it's there, even though it helps them sort of follow the episode a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. I, I like the, uh, the the use of black and white. I enjoyed it. It didn't take me out of the show at all. I enjoyed it. Okay. I wonder if this is the kind of thing they're going to do more. Like, if we're going to get more flashbacks, which, again, is something that Scott Gimple has said. He's, he's a flashback guy. Right. So I wonder if he's always going to do flashbacks in black and white. Right. That'd I, be awesome. I don't know. It'd be awesome for you. For me, it would be awesome for me. I think it would get a little tedious. I don't want to see this every single episode. That'll be that'll be too much. Too much of my, a good thing, maybe. My brain doesn't care about color anyway. Like 
if something's green, it's green. It's like, I know there's all kinds of options for green, but for me, my brain just sees them as green. I always tell the story about these brown jeans that I had. I love these brown jeans. I wore them for years until one day I looked down and somebody told me, hey, those are purple. And I didn't realize it. <laughs> but hey, I, a, I, th- I thought they were brown. A solid pair of purple jeans look can really look good on a dude. I really thought they were brown. But, the, you know, they might have been brown when they started, but then, you know, repeated washing. I uh, might have slowly faded them purple, and I just didn't notice. The, the well, you kept washing them with your purple shirts, so that might yeah. be your problem. Anyway, my brain, uh, much to my wife's chagrin, uh, really, really doesn't care about color. Well, you're not a you're not a designer. <laughs> you're not. A, if no. you were a graphic designer, you might have a different feeling towards the use well, of color. It, you know, it's uh, you know the chicken or the egg. You know, I wouldn't be a graphic designer because I don't care about color. True. Right. So. All right. Our next email comes from Jenna on the internet, and she writes, they should have burned the pit. Right. The smoke, yeah, that's it, period. (laughs) (laughs) The smoke wouldn't be any more of a signal to their location than the 20-something flares they shot off. The flares prove they are living humans. The smoke just means there was a fire that could have honestly been started by anything. People are more dangerous than attracting more zombies. Worst case scenario, more walkers fall into the pit. Which, by the way, if the uh, heads are so soft that they can walk at a slow pace headfirst into a metal wall and splat their skulls like a bug on a windshield, how are they surviving falling into the pit off a cliff? I mean, even if they don't hit their heads and they land on their feet, they just crush their leg bones to powder and are not walking anywhere. They had time to build a maze to lead them away, uh, they had time. They had time to make Molotov cocktails and toss them into the pit. I think that should say if they had time to build a maze and lead them away, they would have had time to make Molotov cocktails and toss them into the pit. Yeah, yeah. If uh, you can find enough gasoline, because uh, it would just be a waste to make it a Molotov cocktail out of alcohol of some kind, right? Yeah, but I I don't think it would even take that many with the density of walkers in there. You could throw one or two in, and they just light each other on fire as they bump into each other. Yeah, then you just keep tossing in wood to get the fire going. To get the just, fire there's going. Like, there's a forest kicking around there. Just start tossing in some of the wood and whatever else you could find, seat cushions or uh, carpet or whatever. Anything that'll burn. That's right. Right? So, and, and I think she's also right, too. Like, sure, the fire and the smoke might might signal their location to somebody, but really, a fire could be started by anything. It could be a forest fire. It could be whatever. Yeah. But flares, shooting flares off repeatedly, that's like, hey, bunch of living people here, come and get us. Right. So I think, you know, now that I think about it, and and I thought starting them on, lighting them on fire was a good idea two days ago when we recorded, I think it's a much better idea now after Jenna wrote this email. Yeah. Rather than, than building a maze to lead them away. <laughs> Which, <laughs> if it really was a maze, that would be funny. <laughs> that would be funny. Oh, they'll just get lost in there, and we won't have to worry about them for at least two or three weeks. That'll be fine. Throw in some cheese. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, next we have an email from John on the internet. All they need to do to line up the cars outside the quarry is, one, fill two cars up with gas. Two, take them plus one to the road. Three, siphon the gas from the cars into the third gas tank. Four, keep this process up until you have all those cars. Five, put the gas siphoning guy out of his misery after killing all those brain cells and erect a statue to his likeness for his sacrifice. (laughs) That's right. Step five is the most important there because gas siphoning guy 
uh, probably won't have much brain power left after he siphoned all that gas and swallowed yeah, and, a little bit each time. Gas tastes bad. I've never never tasted it myself. I used to work at a gas station. Unfortunately, I've tasted gas and diesel. You just put the pump right in your mouth and pull the trigger and see what happened? No, it just kind of splashes and you get some in your mouth and you go, <laughs> or you get it on, yeah, stuff. It's <laughs> Fill up a cup, have a sip once in a while. No, I would not do that. I would not do that. I've never tasted gas, but I've smelled it, and I can imagine that it tastes kind of like it smells. Well, yeah, that's because most of our sense of taste is smell. True. Very true. And remember, when making food, the first bite is with the eyes. Oh, well, aren't you aren't you deep? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife always likes to cook meals based on what colors are going to be on the plate. Oh, so someone in your family cares about color. Oh, she cares about color. Oh, God, yeah. And thank God for her, because uh, I really don't. Other... I'd, all my food would be gray and if you... I had my choice. Gray and browns. And you'd be walking <laughs> around in purple pants all day. Yeah, because it'd be potatoes and meat, and uh, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, very good. Thank you, John, for those steps. Uh, I guess it wouldn't be too hard to move all those cars into place, because you can just keep moving the gas from one to the other. Um, although I've never siphoned gas out of a car, uh, I don't imagine it would be very fun. I have siphoned water out of a turtle tank, though. Yeah, don't swallow that either. That's Oof. salmonella soup right there. Oh, good Lord, it was disgusting, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't even know if I'd do that again, so. Uh, all right, next up is Shannon from the internet. Now, Shannon is a longtime listener of ours. She's wrote, written in many times. But to my knowledge, she's never let us know where she's from. So, Shannon, let us know where you're from. Um, unless you don't want to, then it's okay. Yeah, or not. Or not. But uh, what I want to say is I think there's been a, a downturn or maybe a down tick if I were uh, Eugene. Tick is time. Yeah. Well, uh, tick is time. A downturn then? Uh, a decrease. Sure. In the number of people who say where they're from in emails. And that's one of the things I really, really look forward to hearing from people like... Uh, you know, be, be general, like say, you know, the state you're in, if you're in the, oh. the U.S. or the province or uh, maybe near the ocean even. You know, I, you know, Doug in Denver, that's just fine with me. Or, or Pete in, in uh, Florida, you know, it can be state, whatever, it can be province, can be region. I mean, even country, you know, if you're, if you're from somewhere <laughs> outside of, of the States or Canada or anywhere, if you want to say you're, uh, you know, Francine from the United States, that's okay too. But um, I just like hearing where people are from. So when you write in, do us a favor and, and put where you're from. It's, it's more fun. An undisclosed location in Utah. And the most important thing really is my enjoyment so make sure i'm having fun you know if you even if you want what you can say is you can say where you're from and then uh say where you want to be identified from on the on the air so that chris can know and you can still be relatively uh location anonymous yeah and the other thing is if you can say you are you know somebody from wherever and i'll read it the way you Write it so. Well, so it doesn't have to be a real place. <sighs> no, not so really. You can you can say you know Jason from Narnia's butt crack. <laughs> yeah, probably. I would read that. <laughs> I would okay. definitely read that. All right, that'd uh, be fun. I thought that's a great little challenge. I like that. Now people are going to start making stuff up even more than they already do. <laughs> Damn right, and they should. <laughs> Anyways, back to Shannon. This is the internet. No rules. There are no rules. Shannon writes. I've been frustrated with Carol since the second half of last season, and that's continued in the premiere. 
I don't like that she was lying to her own people at the end of last season, and I don't like this I'm-so-harmless thing she's got going now. Carol's a great character, and I've always liked her, but since she got to Alexandria, I really haven't. I kind of get why she put on the innocent act at first, but at this point, if anyone in Alexandria would believe that Rick Grimes would have tolerated the shrinking Violet that she's pretending to be, they really are too stupid to be real. At the very least, Aaron and Eric would have seen through it long ago, since they were watching Rick's group for some time before Aaron introduced himself. I was at least glad to see that Morgan saw through it. Carol has become someone who takes the most extreme solution first as a matter of course. Sometimes it's necessary, as with Lizzie, and other times it's pointless at best, and maybe does more harm than good, like with Karen at the prison. I'm starting to think Carol might actually actually might not make it through this season. Well, Shannon, I, you're right, and I hope you're wrong. So uh, I agree with you that uh, that Carol should... Yeah, the shrinking violet thing is not working for me really either. Car- Carol is a great, strong character, and I would like to see her back to that kind of role. Mm-hmm. But I hope you're wrong. I hope that she does make it through the season. Yeah, so there's time to, for her to get back to that type of role. Yeah, this this better pay off is what uh, is what I'm hoping for. Like we're buying into this quite a bit, and it's starting to annoy me a little bit. So it better pay off. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, but 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 that being said, we have had little moments with her where she's sort of broken out, like when she was threatening what's his name with the cookies. Yeah, that was good. Right, she's threatening the kid in last season. I mean, it's all in private and so on, but. Uh, so, so, so we know Carol's up to something. We know she's doing something and we know that deep down inside, she's still ruthless child killing Carol. Uh, but you're right. Sort of on screen when we just see a bit of her here and there, it can be a little tedious. I, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, as you said, hopefully it'll pay off in something awesome and she won't just sort of sputter out and get killed in an accident or something stupid like that. Yeah, that would be that would be really horrible that if she fell into the pit, uh, you know, they're probably away from the pit. But if they go back for some reason, she might fall in and, uh, you know, break her leg and get stuck under a rock and have to be uh, killed because she's stuck down there. I hope not. That would suck. That would suck. All right, next is an email from Brian in Texas. Thank God the show is back. Fear the Walking Dead is like drinking new Coke. Great first episode, <laughs> Gimple and Nicotero never disappoint on a season premiere. Unlike what most viewers would think, I was glad to see a counter-opinion to Rick, personified in the character of Carter. His insistence that Rick go through every detail of the plan shows how uh, shows a keen intellect required to minimize risk. Carter's badgering eventually reveals a flaw in the plan and gives the group the ability to make further preparations. The D-Day invasion of Normandy, Normandy was a success because everyone from Eisenhower down knew the plan, at least their part of it, to the smallest detail. While the Alexandrians do not have the survival skills Rick, Daryl, and the others have, an outside voice could be the difference in maximizing results and minimizing risk. Yeah, the more I think about uh, Carter, the more I think this guy's not so crazy after all. Like, why is it so unreasonable to just want to know the plan and go over it as many times as possible so everyone understands what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, and, and not screw it up? Yeah, I mean, you can you can be that uh, that voice of reason and that insistence uh, and be insistent on uh, going over the plan, but you don't have to be such a whiny bitch about it because when you do that at the first opportunity, somebody's going to stab you in the back of the head. 
Yeah, I guess so. But I, I'm not even sure. Maybe he was a little bit whiny. Sure. And then he did have the whole, we got to kill Rick and take this place back from him bit there. But just, oh, yeah, there's that. There's that. But just the point of like, uh, listen, guys, uh, I'm am I the only one here that just wants to make sure this is the right thing to do? And I guess an argument be made to, can be made that you don't, like with that attitude, you could stand around all day and never do anything because you'd be thinking about it too much. But I just don't think it's unreasonable for him to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, yeah, Rick came in here. He was waving a gun around. He shot a dude in the face last night. Like, you know, one, do we really want to follow this guy? And okay, if we're going to, are we really, you know, sure he's doing the right thing? Can we not just talk this through and make sure everyone gets it? Yeah. And whiny bitchness aside, uh, I I think Carter probably has a pretty good point. Right. And when the shit goes down, get on board. Uh, well, yeah, and he, he did, basically. Like, he was on board. He he ended yeah. up shaking Rick's hand and and uh, saying, you know, this is working. Good job. Right before he was killed. Right. <laughs> so, I don't well, know. You know, and to be to be fair, if, if somebody had just ripped off my face with their teeth, I, I might let out a little cry. I, I might make some noise. Uh, yes, I think, I think a little bit of screaming in that circumstance is not... That unreasonable. But when, if you're hysterical and you need to be calmed down, is the best way to give you a slap across the face and say, shut up, this is not the appropriate time? Or is the better thing to do to take out your Bowie knife and stab him in the back of the head? In the zombie apocalypse, it's the knife. In real life or the non-zombie apocalypse, it's it's uh, give him a slap, put pressure on the wound and try to get him to a hospital. What if Judith was crying and calling all those zombies over? Do you think Rick would stab her in the back of the head? If she, well, if she had been bitten, it would be the right thing to do because there's no coming back from a, like a bite that big to the face. You can't, yeah. you can't amputate someone's head and hope, you know, they survive. You could try. I thought he was going to carve, you know, for a second I thought Rick might try and carve uh, a bunch of his face off. With his knife. When he dropped, pulled out his knife, I'm like, okay, let's see if he can get that off. If he can just dig it out. Just dig it out for a while, you know, Ooh. maybe cut the jaw off. I mean, it'd be hard to recover from, but, you know, you got to take chances. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least give it the good old college try. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think in that circumstance, it was pretty obvious no one was, or uh, Carter wasn't coming back from that. So might as well finish him off. Um, but you're right. It's a, it's a good question. Had it been Judith or Carl? I mean, even like, forget Judith. She's a baby. Uh, Carl wouldn't cry out. You know, uh, I think he might. I don't, I don't know. think so. Carl's a tough little dude. He'd be fine. Tough pudding eating dude who has a girlfriend now. Anyways, uh, our next email comes from Tiege in Wisconsin. I don't think the scene where Abraham was putting the ring on the bottle was weird. He was drunk, super drunk. He's been drinking a lot lately, starting with when Eugene confessed. He drank uh, when there was no water. He was a little tipsy the night of the Alexandria party. He drank while burying Reg. Uh, that whole bottle. And when we saw him sitting on the porch, he was just returning the ring. I think he also has a bit of PTSD, just like Sasha. Remember the small panic attack he had before the walkers came to the construction site? I predict Abraham and Sasha might grow a little close this season. Well. That's true, and now he has a ring. Yeah, to to except uh, as Tej was saying, I think he went. He took the ring uh, to return it to um, to give it back to Deanna. Although we didn't see that. 
it was still, yeah, it was a little weird. If that if that's the case, it's still a little weird. Here's your dead husband's ring. I didn't bury him with it, uh, even though you probably would have liked that. Well, I don't know. He, I maybe maybe not. I mean, he saw it, and he's like, maybe I sh- maybe she forgot in her, you know, her intense moment there when her morning maybe she forgot to take the ring off his finger i don't know people I mean, get buried with their wedding rings i guess they it, probably it's do. just a standard that i i guess it's an assumption i have i think it's probably true come to think of it yeah so it's just a little weird to take a dead guy's ring off and uh and then give it back to his wife glenn took a, a zombie's ring off and gave it to his wife <laughs> well that's a dead why is that different i don't know but it's different. <laughs> yeah, it's different. It is. Anyways, if if he wasn't giving the ring back, you're right. Now Abraham has a ring, and maybe him and Sasha are going to bond. <laughs> they bonded this episode, right? Yeah. He can't give her the ring. And by bond, I mean, you know, bond. It, yeah, it's replace the last D with an E, and you're, <laughs> you get there. <laughs> good, All right, next we have Theo <laughs> in Bucharest, Romania. I can't wrap my head around the geography and positioning of the things uh, in a way that makes sense in this universe. I failed to draw a map, so I will try to explain. And I read this before, and Theo, I agree with you. The Horde of Walkers goes towards Alexandria until they hit a temporary wall. There, there, there they are forced right away from Alexandria. Now Alexandria would be on the left of the Horde. Yet when the horn blares, the walkers go to the right, supposedly towards Alexandria. Can you explain how this works in a non... some word, world? <laughs> Escher-esque. Escher-esque. The, okay. the artist who did those, like, staircase no, I, paintings? Yeah, yeah, no, I got it now, but uh, that word looked all <laughs> kinds of weird to me. Non-some word, world. <laughs> Way to read there, Jason. Um, okay, so... I want to talk about this for a second. Another listener named Alan sent in this almost exactly the same problem, but he included screenshots of the map that shows the intersection and where Alexandria is and this and that. So here's what I think. Walkers are coming towards Alexandria. They get to the temporary wall. Yep. They turn right. Let's just say it's, it looked more than 90 degrees, but let's just say it's 90 degrees right. So now they're walking one direction and Alexandria would be to their left because they turned right. Yeah. And when they, and before they turned, they were going straight towards Alexandria. Right. So you would think that if the horn blares, they would turn left into the forest. Yeah. I know this is difficult on this Skype call because I'm reversed, right? (laughs) In the camera? Yeah, reversed. Everything's fine. Oh, maybe I'm reversed for me only. Anyways. um, This this is an audio podcast. You know that, right? I know, I know, but I'm just talking to you. I'm 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 ignoring your hand signals. Okay. I'm making a lot of them. (laughs) They would turn left off the road. Yeah. But um, if the camera shot is from the other way, it would be left from their perspective, but right from the perspective of the camera. I think... The camera shot, like the drone camera shot that was at the very end of the episode, yeah, was ha, was swung around and looking back towards the wall, the temporary wall. Therefore, the zombies were traveling, let's just say, down screen towards the drone towards the drone camera, assuming it was you know there in real life. Yeah, yep. and so 
from their perspective, it's a left turn into the forest and they're going into the forest towards Alexandria. But from the camera perspective, it's a right turn. But we're not looking the way the zombies are walking. We're looking the opposite way they're walking. I think that's what was going on here. I Does that make sense? I am not convinced. So I'm going to the video. It does make sense, but I'm not sure that that's the case, that the camera was had switched to from the... Like, you're saying that it was pointed in the opposite direction that the horde was traveling. That's exactly what I'm saying. Right. So that the camera, let's say just the camera was uh, um, looking back towards the wall instead of looking the way the zombies were going. Uh, okay, so the zombies are walking on the screen currently from uh, left to right, and... Everybody is looking to the right. No, you are incorrect. They definitely are all turning right. So they're 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 marching the same oh. way the camera is looking. Uh, like they're marching away from the camera when it's up in the air. Yes. So they are. Huh. Yeah, they're walking along the road and they all turn right and go into the forest. Interesting. Okay. Well, then it doesn't make sense. Well, it from, doesn't make sense. From, from the way I understand it, the way uh, Theo and Alan described it, um, it does sound like they should be turning the other way. Uh, yes. But I don't know. This makes me think of that time way back in season two or three or something like that where uh, Daryl's in the forest and he has a shirt off and he's got tattoos and we notice the tattoos flip, flip from one side of him to the other side and yep. it turns out they you know flipped the shot over they they mirrored it so because they wanted him to walk off one way instead of the other way for some reason yeah maybe that's the case maybe it's similar to what happened here maybe they just flipped it for some reason and uh, hope nobody would notice that the walkers are going the wrong way well it's kind of glaring really when you think about it but you know, I'd have to see the map with the uh, screenshots of the map of what they're planning on doing. Yeah. Just to, to be sure. The map that Alan sent in does really, he, he even annotated it a bit with some error errors, arrows, I mean, and yep. uh, like saying zombies should be going this way, but they're not. So, you know, if you're sure that they're walking, that the, our perspective is, is the way they're walking, like away from... Uh, away from the wall and they're turning the wrong way, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it seems a bit weird. I mean, it's not the first time that a horror movie has done uh, uh, this kind of thing where uh, directions don't make sense. If you ever go and watch The Shining and actually uh, try and map out the hotel, you can't because they uh, right. this, Kubrick specifically tried to screw with your perception. There, like, there should be the end of the uh, of the hotel, and all of a sudden you turn, and there's the gold ballroom right there, where right. there should be nothing. I I would sort of think though that that's a directorial choice on. Oh, his that's part. Kubrick. Oh, that's got Kubrick's fingerprints all over it. Like he did that on purpose. But you know, I'm not saying that they they did this on purpose. But it, I mean, it's within the realm of possibility, and it's right. been done before. The it, precedent. I would say in The Shining, that's just a, an effort to be very to create a very subtle, unsettling feeling. Right? Like you think yeah. a hall should end, and then there's something else there, and make you wonder what's going on. Here, uh I mean, if it's a mistake, it sort of just feels like a mistake. Um, but I don't know. And the real question is, if uh, all that stuff in The Shining was in Jack's head, 
Who let him out of the freezer? <laughs> he was stuck in the freezer. Somebody let him out. I'd have to watch The Shining again to you figure it out. You should watch The Shining again because it's such an awesome movie. I've seen it a few times. And then watch the documentaries on the, the various theories of The Shining, of how uh, they're trying to, uh, people believe that The Shining is proof that we never went to the moon. Oh, people are crazy. <laughs> and it's gonna... a subtle uh, anti-government uh, money thing in there as well. Well, I'm just going to leave that right here. People are crazy. But I will check out those documentaries. Yeah, they're great. Uh, all right, who's next? Elliot in the West End of London, UK. Elliot writes, you mentioned about when Rick chose to start training the town folk as they were building the fence. What better time to start training? You need to be ready to react at any moment in a zombie apocalypse, and the walkers are not going to wait for a time that's convenient for you to deal with them. You need to improvise on uh, what tools you have to, on hand to deal with the threat. Right. Shovels are great, though. Um, yes, they're great, but I still don't agree with this. You have a community surrounded by large walls that has been safe. There are no zombies inside the wall. You have ample opportunity to give people some basic lessons and training and let them practice on freaking scarecrows or whatever, you know, hitting them with shovels. Um, you have all kinds of opportunity to get them started. The best way is not to just throw them out into the ring with a bunch of zombies and say, good luck. If you can't deal with this, you die. I mean, give them some pointers and some tips first, let them practice a little, and then after you've done that for a little while and you're out building a wall and some zombies come along, then you might think, okay, they're ready for a real-world trial, and we'll jump in if we have to, but that's it. I didn't get the feeling that Rick did that at all. I feel like he was just like, oh, look, there's some zombies. And the way Carter and everyone reacted, they clearly were not ready for this. And I I don't think it's fair. Maybe Rick's uh, only experience with this kind of thing is, uh, like, this is what you do with chickens, right? You throw them into the ring, and then they fight or die. It's it's like cockfighting, but you don't really take the chicken out and go on a training program and do a five-mile run. You know, I, I, I don't know that you can draw a parallel between chicken <laughs> fighting and humans <laughs> fighting zombies. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, it, I mean, what you're saying is you're just throwing, he's just throwing these people into the ring and uh, hoping for the best. And that's what you do with, with cockfighting, well, I would assume. Yeah, how would you know, first of all? and <laughs> Well, I'm just saying that Rick might not have experience with uh, cockfighting in the past. Yeah, fine. That's what you do with chickens. But these aren't chickens. These are people. You give them some tips. You know, he, he Rick is all about training these people to, to survive yeah. and be tougher. I just don't think this is the way to do it. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you now that I've had a little bit of perspective. Re- read the next email. It's it's related, I think. All right, next we have uh, Patience in Hershey, PA. I agree that Rick was testing Carter and the others uh, when the zombies came from the woods, but I thought the main reason for holding back was to prove his point to Deanna, which paid off in the next scene when Carter actually has a gun inside the walls. By holding back and letting Deanna see how helpless her people are, Rick proved that people need to learn to protect themselves and be armed. I think that may be true, but I think it's even worse for Rick to do something like that. <laughs> Number one, because I think Deanna's already on board. You know, she's already decided, she supported Rick in every decision he's made since he, kill, uh, he killed Pete, <laughs> right? All it took was him right. murdering a guy. And now she's totally on board. She was the one who agreed with him about not 
burying the body inside the walls. She agreed with him about the plan when Carter was trying to talk some sense into everybody. Um, so I, I think Deanna's already on board, which, you know, yeah. means that he didn't really have to prove the point anymore. Now, maybe he felt like he still did. I don't know. Um, but I also think that it's just far, far too risky just to prove a point. And he shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't okay. have done it. You know, if there, if we had gotten a training montage earlier in the episode and we saw these people running up and down stairs and swinging knives around and stuff like that, and so we, we as the audience knew that they'd gone through some drills so far, oh, and then man. this, and then this was a test and they failed. Fair enough, fine. But I think this was more of a throw them to the wolves and, um, and let them get eaten. Man, that'd have been great if we had like a, a training montage in a building the wall montage, just like the A team. That would have been awesome. Think of it how think of how much they could get done on this show if they just did montages all the time. Nobody does montages anymore. <laughs> well, not that often, no. <laughs> I want more montages in television and movies. Yeah, movies do it, but they do it in tongue in cheek kind of thing. You don't get an an awesome montage anymore. No, not not like the good old montage days. Yeah. All right. Uh, our next email is me, right? Paul in England? Correct. Paul says, have to say, I was really quite disappointed with this episode, mostly because a certain character death was so obvious from the very first scene that I was amazed that it actually happened. It had been so obvious that the dissenter was going to die that I expected it to be a swerve. At least they used his death to further the tension between Rick and Morgan. But really, there was no need for Morgan to be pissed off at Rick for sticking that knife into his skull. If anything, he was doing the man with half of his face bitten off and a pool of blood in his eye a favor. That's true. And Paul spelt favor with a U. Well, he is from England. He is from England, which I uh, I find very awesome. Yep. Well, favor is correctly spelled with a U. <laughs> Take that, everybody who doesn't use a U. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean... You are right that it was pretty obvious, and uh, you are right that uh, at least his death uh, f- was used to further the tension between Rick and Morgan, so I don't think it was completely wasted. It was, and um, maybe we are going to get a little bit more Rick and Morgan storyline, and because, I, I, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways they wrap them that up nice and neat with a tidy bow, but... There's little bits like this where Morgan looks down, and, and in fact, Michonne was there too, right? I think Michonne is sort of on Morgan's uh, side there, thinking, boy, that was kind of harsh for him to just kill that dude like that. But like I said, what are you going to do? Guy had half his face taken off, and like Paul said, you know, he had a pool of blood in his eye. There's <laughs> not much, There's no coming back from that, I don't think. Not anymore. Not, not in this world, yeah. No. All right, next we have an email from Chris in the UK. We pulled a couple of points from his longer email. Tara and Maggie, uh, in quotes, one of the most important people to me doesn't mean Maggie's priorities go Glenn, then Tara. They could go Glenn, then Rick, then Carl, then Sasha, then Michonne, then Tara. And she's still, she'd still be one of the most important. At least she made the top 10. Yeah. (laughs) On the subject of Morgan, I think the line, I'm a killer too from Morgan foreshadows more of his story. As far as we've seen, Margaret, Morgan, Morgan, Morgan (laughs) has only killed, (laughs) Margaret, Margaret has only killed walkers. True, his traps in clear might have taken people out, but we didn't see that for sure. 
I wonder if this is linked to his backstory with the friend who taught him to use the quarterstaff. Uh, there is talk of a Morgan flashback episode, so there's space for us to find out. Yep, space for us to find out. Um, I don't think, now that Chris mentions it, they would have mentioned the friend. And why have him and Rick have that? Like, Rick walks into the room where they're keeping him locked up at the beginning, and like yep. the only question he asks him is, where'd you learn to do that? Or right. one of the few that we see. And, and Morgan says, a friend. And yeah. so that's just sort of vague enough that I think we're going to come back to that. I think Chris is probably right here and that we'll get a Morgan episode that we learn who that friend was. Yeah, I agree with that. And then moving back to the Tara thing. um, Yes, there aren't that many people left in this world. So like her priorities could go Glenn, Rick, Carl, Sasha, Michonne, Tara. And that's still pretty important considering, you know, you're one of my 30 favorite people. Because there are only our 30 people. Exactly. (laughs) It's what I say to my cats all the time. I say, you're the best cat on this whole couch. Well, there you go. That way I don't offend the other cat. Because she's on the chair. Right. Or the floor. Uh, All right. Thank you, Chris. Our next email comes from Nick in the hottest, flattest, dumbest state. Oh, that (laughs) sounds like a challenge. What state is that? Hottest, flattest, dumbest. Are you sure you want to do that? Well, it's Montana. I apologize, I Montana. I don't think Montana Montana is flat. I don't. Is it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, Colorado, that's not flat. Definitely, Jesus, man, that's in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Um, I don't want to speculate. I I'll let Jason dig himself a hole on this one. Well, you're focusing on dumbest. I'm just looking at hottest, flattest. <laughs> dumbest is a, is a personal opinion which I can't share because I don't know anything about those states. <laughs> All right. Well, the hottest state might be New Mexico, Texas, Florida. I think it's hotter in like the western south southwestern US, but I don't know. Right. It's it is a desert there. Anyways, why don't I read Nick's email? Sure, sure. He writes, "Hey guys, I was listening to you discuss the exchange between Maggie and Tara and how you particularly didn't like that Maggie said you're one of the most important people in my life." Now, while I agree the show hasn't really set up a big relationship between them, I disagree that she is maybe being a bit overly dramatic. With everything this group has been through since the prison, and even the few who were around before that, they are basically becoming more and more like a family every day. These people literally trust each other with their lives with each passing minute. Also, come to think of it, since like 95% of the planet is walkers, maybe Maggie was counting them too, and Tara is automatically more important than them. (laughs) That's true. When there's 7 billion walkers on the planet, and the rest of the people are living... You know, the living people are going to be pretty important to you. Yes. Yeah. You're one of the most living people I know. (laughs) That's right. The most (laughs) living. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from John in Pleasanton, California. Sounds like a pleasant place. It does. Uh, I'm really surprised that no one brought up the issue of how Eugene let Heath and his friends in without vetting them at all. It was just too easy. He took their word for it and they were out on a mission, that they were out on a mission. How did he know that they weren't a group who were previously exiled or had weapons? To me, it was just dumb that he didn't check with one other person uh, if they were legit before letting them in. It's kind of a good point. Um, but I feel like that scene was almost played... Well, that scene served two purposes for me. One, it was to remind us sort of what Eugene's all about and how he's kind of funny. The whole scene was supposed to be a little bit funny and comedic. Yep. And two, to introduce us to Heath. 
So to give us an opportunity for Heath to say, hi, my name is Heath, this is Scott and whoever, and uh, we live here and we've been out on a run for two weeks, and just give us a really quick introduction to who that character is. Um, in reality, would somebody just let a stranger walk up to Alexandria and come in the door? Probably not. Well, it depends on the uh, the purpose of the door, right? Is the <laughs> primary purpose of the door to keep other humans out, or is it to keep walkers out? Well, if it's to keep walkers out, then uh, if you look like you you're pretty legit, then come on in. We'll figure this out. Yeah, I think the purpose of that door is is to keep everybody out, walkers and humans alike. I don't know. They don't, there's no lock on that door, from what I can tell. Well, then why doesn't Heath just open it when he gets there? It definitely locks shut somehow. You sure? I've yeah. never seen that door locked. Oh, come on. I'm sure it's locked. I mean, it would be ridiculous to have a gate that doesn't lock. A uh, gate to keep a walkers doesn't need a lock. Yes, it I think it does. A walker just has to slide along and it'll just open with them. It's too risky. I'm not saying a walker knows how to open a... A latch, maybe, but a lock? I'm not sure. Okay, definitely a latch, at least. <laughs> um, but I can see John's point. Like, in reality, you'd want to make damn well sure that this person coming to your front door isn't dangerous before you just let them walk in. Yeah. Um, but I was able to put that out of my mind for this because this scene was more of an introduction to Heath and sort of a little bit of comic relief, which maybe isn't an excuse, but I was sufficiently distracted by all that to not think about this too much. <laughs> it all worked out in the end. Heath is okay. Heath is A-okay. All right, our next email is Lori on the internet. In the last two episodes, the finale of last season and then this episode, we hear a lot about how Morgan has turned into a version of a Zen warrior monk. However, in this episode, we get to interact more with Morgan, and I think it is obvious that there, that though he has come a long way since Clear, that he still harbors some self-confidence issues. Think of his voice when he asks Michonne about his protein bar, or his conversations with Rick or Carol. There is some timidity to his interactions. I think we may be overhyping Morgan's abilities at this point. I don't know. Timidity. Man, sorry, that's a different... T timidity? Timidity. Timidity. You got it right. It's a $5 word, but uh, it, you got it right. It's tough to pronounce. Timidity. Yeah. In fact, now I've said it too much and it sounds weird. <laughs> timidity. 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 Tim, timidity duda. Anyways. <laughs> sure. Um, maybe is Morgan all that he's cracked up to be? Like maybe yeah, he's, he's, a, he's... He's a Jedi. He's full Jedi at this point. He's, he's full on Jedi. He's going to be like using the force to fling uh, zombies around, I betcha. Okay, so Jason says he's he definitely is Zen warrior monk at this point. There's yeah. no timidity to his uh, interactions at all. He fell into a pool of midichlorians, and he's all set to go. Okay, then. I'll uh, <laughs> take your word for it. Uh, we will see. We will Unless, see. of course, you completely write midichlorians out of continuity because they're stupid. I choose you know. to block them out of my mind. <laughs> All right. Next, we have Gemma in Wales. Uh, this email has spoilers for the Walking Dead novels. So if you uh, want to avoid that, maybe skip forward. It's uh, it's not a giant spoiler, but it does refer to something that happens in one of the Walking Dead novels. So oh. proceed carefully. All right. I'll proceed slowly. I've heard a lot of people ask why Rick didn't set them on fire when he first had them trapped in the quarry. In one of the novels written by Jay Boninsinga, the characters try that with a massive herd and they still keep coming as blackened, charred corpses. And we've seen on the show before in Grove 
that they still keep coming burnt or not and are even more dangerous. A bomb might have worked, but where would Rick Grimes get a bomb from at the last minute? Yeah, very good point. You can't just get a bomb anywhere. You know, you can't just walk down to the corner store and buy a bomb. So There's got to be missile silos kicking around. They have to have stumbled on a missile silo somewhere. Uh, possibly tough to like get the missiles out and, and aim them at a quarry and, and all that kind There's of stuff. There's just a big red button down there somewhere. Isn't that the way it works? <laughs> well, you need two keys. Fire. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you just push the big button and get out of the way. Right. <laughs> or, you know, if you needed to extract a nuclear warhead from a, a fueled missile in its silo, I know they're not fueled. Don't jump down my throat for that. But... You know, extracting a nuclear uh, warhead might be a little iffy, but uh, it'll pay off in the end when you need to nuke uh, 5,000 zombies. You're forgetting something, though. What? They have Eugene. Eugene. That's true. Eugene could extract a nuclear warhead from a missile silo somewhere. That's probably true. There's probably even a, a manual down there on exactly how to do it. But then, you know, you have the whole problem of detonating a nuke, like, just next door to the town you're living in, and that kind of ruins your day. Yeah. So... Well, well, nuclear warheads come with a big button that say explode, right? And you just kind of throw it down there and eventually a zombie will hit the button. <laughs> That's right. I swear, guys, one of these days, one of them's <laughs> going to fall over onto that button and he, they're not going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, sorry, Gemma, for not taking your email seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've learned that zombies on fire are still zombies. They're just on fire. Right. So they're worse. They're, I mean, they're, they're more scary scarier in fact yeah. when they're on fire so i'm uh, sure they could find dynamite uh, it's yeah. a quarry for crying out loud there's got to be explosives kicking around there somewhere yeah in the in the quarry where all the zombies are it's there's it's, probably a trailer full of dynamite in that place well hopefully that truck that fell in wasn't full of dynamite and they didn't know it because that no be the, the people that uh, that parked that truck there probably wouldn't you don't transport dynamite in a transport truck like that do you That'd i don't know i've never transported dynamite that's a good question. Maybe somebody, if somebody knows how to transport dynamite in large quantities, uh, how, how do they do it? Yeah, like when the when the army orders, puts in an Amazon order for dynamite, how does Amazon get them the dynamite? You can buy dynamite on Amazon? I don't know. I'm just figuring you must be able to buy everything there. Well, that's a good lead into, uh, you know, you can, you can buy things on Amazon and uh, put in our code. That's right. If you, well, why don't we talk about that right now? If you sure. want to buy dynamite on Amazon, I highly recommend you don't do that. But if you want to buy anything else on Amazon, use talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. And, uh, you know, that would be really helpful for us. Um, just another quick note on that. If you're in the States or if you're using the U.S. Amazon store, you can save yourself even more time by just putting in amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com and you'll skip right past our site, go to the Amazon site, and you'll be all set to go. You won't even have to look at our website? No, you won't even have to look at our website. That's awesome. That is that is awesome because it's it's six years old now and, and still chugging along, but nobody wants to look at it. So amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com, right over to the U.S. Amazon site. You know, it's coming up to the holiday season, Jason. We're getting close. And if people are going to start doing some holiday shopping, we really want them to do it through our Amazon link. And mm-hmm. it would make us extremely happy if you did. That, that would make me happy. And you don't want Jason to be unhappy. I don't say that not doing it would make me unhappy, Just but doing it would make me happy. Okay, well, fine. You want Jason to be happy, because a yeah. happy Jason is a healthy Jason. True. All right, the next two emails are related, so am I reading them both? No. 
Okay, the next one. I just, I just won't pause after you read the, uh, the first one. First one is from Donna in San Francisco, and Donna says, I think what might have happened with the honking horn is Father Gabriel is calling people to services to pray for their successful execution of the plan tomorrow. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> of course, the truck went today, and maybe everyone back at Alexandria wasn't told. All right, and then we have Holly in the UK. I think we need to bear in mind that everyone back in Alexandria thinks that they're just doing a dry run on this day. As far as I can tell, no one was sent back to tell anyone that it's happening now. With that in mind, I think something is happening in Alexandria, probably one of them being a wimp about a single walker, (laughs) but maybe the wolves are about. I think whoever is doing it is trying to get the group's attention for help and doesn't even realize they're attracting the herd of thousands of zombies right to their door. Right. So if someone is trying to get their attention for help, um, you know, it's, well, they're obviously in trouble. So they need everyone to come back to help them out, whether they realize that you know, they were in the middle of the Walker parade or not, they're still in trouble. That's That would thing. be the biggest dumbass thing that they could possibly do. Except that they're in trouble. What if they're under attack by somebody else and they're just getting slaughtered and they need to signal everyone? Now, well, I, then raising an alarm like that is just going to attract more walkers. Well, and, and attract everybody, I guess. But well, they that's why I'm saying it's a dumbass thing to do because it's going to do, it's going to essentially, <clears throat> even in the best scenario, it's going to attract unwanted attention. Yes, it is. But if they don't know that the Walker Parade is on because today was a dry run, they might think it's not the worst idea in the world because, yes, it may attract a few walkers, but they don't realize it's going to attract 20,000 of them that are standing there on the road. They all have two-way radios. You'd think that somebody back in Alexandria would have a two-way radio. Well, that occurred to me, too. It's like, good Lord, could you not just leave a walkie-talkie with somebody there so that you could at least let them know what's going on? Or if somebody in Alexandria needed you to stop and pick up milk on the way back, they could walk you in and say, hey, we need something? Like, why not give someone a radio? It doesn't make any sense. Um, Or maybe it's Gabriel uh, saying, hey, what are all those flares? I better blow this horn <laughs> that's right. so that they know to stop shooting off those flares. Well, that's the other thing. Well, that's a good point, actually. A dry run, you, w- you wouldn't think they'd actually shoot all the flares on a dry run because you're just wasting all your flares. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe Alexandria sees the flares and are like, huh, are they trying to signal us for some reason? Well, let's signal back with a giant horn. <laughs> it's like, is, is, that the, is that the standard response to flares, a horn? I don't know. Maybe it is. I think you, you have to fight fire with fire, so I think this, the answer to flares is more flares. Okay, and the answer to a horn is zombies. Yes. <laughs> it's not more horns. Uh, anyways, we'll find out what happens next week, but it is interesting to think that the people of Alexandria don't realize that the actual plan is taking place right now. Yeah. So if they are blowing that horn for some reason, they don't know what the consequences of their actions are going to be. Where's Carol? during the actual uh, zombie parade. Yeah, she's back at town. Remember, Rick told her, I need you to stay back at the town to right. judge how people are feeling. So you think she would at least, if somebody's blowing the horn, would uh, bash them on and about the head saying, shut the hell up, what's the matter with you people? But even Carol doesn't know that the, the parade is on today, right? But she would know that blowing a horn is a stupid thing to do. She would, she would. But maybe she's just trying to keep up her act. Maybe she's dead. Maybe she tripped and fell and broke her leg and died. And she landed on the horn button, and that's why it's going off. Oh, that's that makes perfect sense. You know, if anybody tripped and fell and landed on a button that 
<laughs> that makes a horn go. It's probably Gabriel, though. Yeah, no, I, I, if it is somebody at Alexandria that is doing this, it is absolutely Father Gabriel. Yeah. 100%. Okay, Jason's calling it 100% Father Gabriel blowing the horn. If it's somebody in Alexandria, I personally believe it's the uh, the wolves that are doing this. Well, there's one other possibility that, that the internet has seems to have latched onto, and that's that it's Ron. Uh, mm-hmm. Jilted lover Ron, who, you know, lost his girlfriend to the new kid with the hat, the fancy hat. Stupid hat. Yeah, maybe he's blowing the horn. Well, who knows why exactly, but he's he's feeling upset and he wants to blow a horn and... Make so some, it's a rage horn. Make some noise. It's a rage horn. It's a yeah. teenage rage horn. Yeah, that's right. It happens. It's, it happens all the time with teenagers. So there's a few options there. We'll find out next week, I think. Okay, uh, what do we have? A couple more. Mark in Edinburgh, Scotland. Man, do I ever want to go to Scotland. It looks okay. like such an amazing place. I'm just saying that. So, uh, Mark, I hope you have a spare room for me. I'm, I'm coming. I want to go to the world uh, the world's pipe world pipe band championships in uh, in Scotland. Is that in so, Scotland? It is. Yeah, I would love to go. We were just Jenny and I were just talking about it a little while ago. We we're thinking next August we might go to the worlds. Do it, man. Do it. I I've been to Ireland. I've been to England. Never Wales or Scotland though. I've always wanted to go to the world pipe band championships. It sounds like a fun it's thing to do. So awesome. While you're there, you can go to the world championship of cheese rolling too. Isn't that in Scotland? I don't know. I could be but, wrong. You know, cheese is cheese is a wonderful thing, but uh, I watched a, a YouTube video of a pipe band performing at the Worlds, and I damn near cried. Well, pipe bands are pretty impressive, and especially for you, a guy who used to play in pipe bands. Yeah, I played in pipe bands for years, and I, I, I missed that. You should do it. Start up a pipe band society here. You can't start up a pipe band. You join a pipe band. <laughs> Somebody has to start one at some point. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not going to be me. I can tell you that much. Well, you I don't should... play the pipes. You play the drums. I play the drums, but drummers don't start pipe bands. I can tell you that. They start drum bands? Is there such a thing? (laughs) I'm sure. Okay. Well, do something. I'm just saying. Anyways, Mark in Scotland. Mark writes, at the beginning, when all the walkers are escaping the quarry, so we're back to the beginning, you can see by the camera angle that there are still a ton of walkers walking to the exit at the top of the hill, which is now open because because of the truck falling off the cliff. We later hear Rick tell the group that that would lead them straight to Alexandria. Someone at Alexandria may be sounding the alarm because there are a couple hundred walkers at the gate. So if you follow along here, Rick and the crew are on one side of the quarry, which has one exit on it, which is blocked by trucks. Right. Um, And we see the walkers, that one, the first one squeezes through and so on, right? Um, Across the other side of the quarry where the truck falls off, I guess, is another exit. And that truck falling off and opening the door leads the walkers um, up that side. So mm-hmm. I think the confusion here is which side are the walkers coming out? And which side do they lead them out of on their parade? Um, this side. The assumption is the side they're on, right? Yeah, because they moved the truck. I mean, they moved the truck out of the way so the walkers could come. We saw that. Uh, what truck? The, there was the truck that the zombies squeezed out of. Yeah. They there was mo- one of those trucks moved. Right, okay. They moved it to open that side. So that's the side where they're... they're the parade side. The parade side. So the other side where the truck fell off... Right. There's a bunch of walkers going that way too. Right. And presumably that way leads to Alexandria as well? Uh, apparently... So it's a little confusing as to which side the walkers are coming out of. They're coming out both. They're coming out both ends. All right. 
So like when you get really bad food poisoning. Yes, everyone's had that problem at one time in their life. Um, <laughs> so anyways, I think Mark has a good point here. It's like, okay, they're leading the parade out one side, which apparently is towards Alexandria, but then they deflect them off the other way right? before the horn goes off. But then the walker's going out the other side, which also leads to Alexandria. So they're not worried about those ones? It's, uh, it's confusing now that I think about it. Maybe they fired off a bunch of flares and they thought that all the zombies that were going that way turned around and started coming to uh, be part of the parade. I don't know. Maybe. And they forgot to, you know, maybe there's only like seven or eight zombies that are walking towards Alexandria. And, uh, you know, Father Gabriel's like, holy crap, there's seven of them. Better blow the horn. Well, like somebody said earlier, that's someone yeah. being a wimp about a single walker. Um, or... And, and and it's it would be incorrect to say that like the plan actually is executed from the other side, and so even yeah. though they're on one side, Rick says we're doing this now. Everyone like runs to the other side, and that's where the parade starts because that's the way that goes to Alexandria. Yeah, that that would be incorrect. Okay, so I'm not clear on exactly what's going on, other than maybe there are walkers going out both sides, and both exits lead to Alexandria, and. I don't know. Maybe the maybe the the sort of sides of the quarry swing around, and it's just one road going out. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Hard to say. Anyways, uh, thank you, Mark, for pointing that out and confusing me further. All right. So we have uh, the last email is Ronald from the Netherlands. What if the colored scenes were in fact flash forwards, and that the zombie herd heading towards the siren is in fact the mid season finale? This gives us enough episode episodes to sort out the feud between Rick and Morgan. Okay, so Black and White is immediately following the season five finale when Rick kills Pete. Yep. And the Black and White scenes are actually taking place over a longer time than we think. And the the the, the zombie parade is happening eight episodes down the road at the mid-season finale. So we have right. all kinds of stuff to fill in basically in black and white, although it's not going to be in black and white in future episodes. Didn't the flashback, the black and white, meet up with the color at the end? I thought yes. we got we got them to meet up. It, so it if did, we did. were going to go forward with this concept, we would still, we'd have to be flashing back into the middle of our flashback from the premiere. Yes. So we'd just be filling in the, we, the corners. We'd be filling in bits in the next seven episodes or six yeah, episodes. That would be confusing because they don't have a choice uh, now because what we've got is color and black and white. What are they going to do? Make everything, you know, sepia? <laughs> yeah, somewhere in between. Or episode two is is black and white. Episode three is a little less black and white and they slowly come Everything's got a bluish hue to it. Right. And the next one's got like a greenish hue and then you have to wear special glasses to tell what episode you're looking at. Yeah, it would be extremely confusing. I think it's an interesting idea, but to really do it, they'd have to stick with black and white for the next bunch of episodes. Unless every episode is going to be a mix of one time frame in black and white and another one in color, which... They wouldn't do that. Will also be confusing and they be would, too much. They would, they would enrage the internet. Yeah. The internet would rage against that. Good idea. Lord, if there's one thing you don't want to enrage, it's the internet. Yeah. So. Or bees. <laughs> or bees, good point. Um, anyways, I think it's an interesting idea, but unlikely. But thank you, Ronald, for sending in that uh, prediction. 
And that's all. That is all the feedback. I love doing these feedback shows, Jason. You know why? Uh, because why? Because it gives us a chance to, you know, really, really hear about what the, the listeners and other people watching this show think of it and crazy theories like that. And just it gives us an opportunity to really dive into it, you know, more so than we do if we just did the one podcast a week. Well, yeah, who, who wants to just listen to our opinions, really? Exactly. The more I barely do. I, well, there you go. I mean, the more, uh, the more we can get, the better. So thank you to everyone who wrote in and called in. And uh, it's, it's, it's super satisfying to hear from you all, all the time. But remember, let us know where you're from if you want to. It, yeah. uh, it makes me happy <laughs> when you do that. Yes. Um, it's, it's, well, it's cool. We've gotten letters from people or email from people from all over the world. And yes. uh, it's, it's just super satisfying to hear that. Six of the seven continents. Yeah, I don't think we've had an Antarctica. But That's true. If someone is listening from Antarctica, if you're, let's say, a researcher at a, at a, at a research facility there, down there somewhere, and you're listening, send in an email. We'd love to hear from you. It'd be great. Yeah, that would be great. And please let us know whether or not, uh, you know, if you're in a research station in the South Pole, chances are you're either in a horror movie or an alien sci-fi flick. And let <laughs> us know which one you're in. Yeah, please do. <laughs> and uh, I hope you're okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, that is going to do it for this episode. So, oh, one more thing I want to mention before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, we, we love it when people record themselves reading the titles of episodes. Oh yeah. So do that, that, do that. So that we don't have to say the titles when we do our recaps. Um, so. Or in my, in my case, in the last episode, we don't have to know the titles. Right. Jason doesn't even know the titles. Luckily I do, but I don't want to read them. I want you to read them. So, um, the next episode is called JSS. Uh, I assume it's JSS and not or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then the one after that is called Attacked. And then the episodes following that have not been, titles have not been released yet. So uh, get out your phone, get out your computer, go to your local recording studio, whatever you have to do, and record yourself saying those titles. And we'll we'll play as many as we can. Like if I get hundreds, I'm not going to play them all, but uh, um, I'll play as many as I can because they're super fun. And uh, you can record one or all of them or whatever you want to do. So... Uh, record those episode titles for us, and yeah. we'll get them on on the podcast. Hire a producer, get an engineer, rent some recording studio time, and uh, go and read the title. The Talking Dead podcast is not responsible for any expenses incurred in your endeavors oh, to record the titles. I'm glad you <laughs> stated that explicitly, but I thought that was you know pretty implied. Well, it's better to be explicit. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the next one is JSS, and after that, Attacked. So uh, read them if you want. All right. Uh, you can send feedback to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, click on send voicemail. That's how the people sent voicemails in for this episode. And uh, what happens is a little window will pop up on your computer in your browser and you can record yourself and it gets sent right to me. So that's exciting. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on the Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Make sure you like our page there. Makes me really happy when that happens. And uh, once again, we're getting into the holiday shopping season pretty soon. I know we're not even past Halloween yet, but maybe you're going to do, go do some Halloween shopping, right? Oh, people, yeah. people do that. Yeah, they buy stuff to make costumes and some candy, maybe. Exactly. And then, you know, coming up after that is American Thanksgiving. You're going to do some Thanksgiving shopping. And boy, oh boy, we get, then we get into Black Friday. That's after yeah. Thanksgiving, right? 
Yeah. Or that is Thanksgiving weekend. The day after, the Thursday, then th- then Black Friday, and then the weekend. If you're going to be partaking in that, please, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon, or to go straight to the American Amazon store, amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com. And uh, you know how it works. We'll get a, a small cut. And thank you so much to everyone who does that. All right. That is going to do it. We will be back on Monday when we recap the next episode of The Walking Dead called JSS, as I mentioned. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Bye.